Tenekoto, Namai, Hairamai. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Halloween, the night of the year when the veil between the living and those who have died is at its thinnest. It's a night where it's become tradition to hear or tell ghost stories, watch horror movies and generally scare ourselves and have fun doing it. And so that's what we're going to do this episode, hear ghost stories or experiences from the mouths of those who were witness to them or to whom they were shared. Just ignore all the background noises. I have a few guests tonight. Hey guys, take us down back there. <laughs> all experiences you'll hear in this episode are told by the people who experienced them or who had them recounted to them. So be aware there is a lot of language that some may find offensive as people recount their experiences with the emotions attached to them. Meantime, get a cup of your favourite hot drink or cold beverage, make sure your door is locked, your lights are all on, and you have candles handy just in case your power goes out. You definitely won't want to listen to this bumper episode in the dark. Are you ready? Are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then hold on, it's going to be quite a ride. Let's begin. On this night of nights, this all hallows, prepare to be scared, frightened, and disturbed. <laughs> Phantom phone calls from H. Wright, 26. So I grew up in a house that my family spent four generations in. Several people, as well as animals, died in the house and or on the property over the years. Lots of weird stuff would happen when I was a kid. Uh, my sister and I would pat cats that would just disappear when we walked up to them. Um, doors would open, dolls would occasionally get moved, um, the baby dolls would cry when the motion sensor wouldn't even set them off. But in July of 2018, a friend of mine and my sister were up at very late in the night. And it was maybe 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. I should also mention that 
at least five members of people that had lived in the household at one point um, did pass away at this point. Either two or three of them passed away in the house. But it's late at night, me, my sister, and my friend are up, and then all of a sudden we hear three loud bangs come from downstairs. We're all huddled in my room. It's bang, bang, bang. And then nothing. And we all go back to talking. We weren't super worried about it. And then it happens again. Bang, bang, bang in threes. And then all of a sudden I get a call from my dad. And my dad is in the bedroom sleeping. He didn't live there, but he was staying there at the time. And I answer it and he's not on the other end. It's just an echo. I'm hearing my voice played back to me. All I could hear is me going, hello, hello, dad, are you there on the other end? And it was just really, really strange. And then, you know, I hang up the phone and then my sister gets a call and it's from my dad. Same thing happens and she has a different phone. I have an iPhone, she has a Samsung. And same thing, we're just getting that echo. Then we hear the bangs downstairs again. One, two, three, three bangs. We, this is when I start to get a little freaked out. We go downstairs, we check it out. There's nothing downstairs, there's no one. The cats are sleeping, the dog's sleeping. And then while I'm downstairs, my dad calls me again. And I answer it and it's the same echo. And at this point, I'm starting to get real freaked out. So my sister and I go up into my dad's room where he was sleeping to find him laying horizontally on the bed with his head on one end and his phone on the nightstand on the other bed. I ended up waking him up. I asked him about it. He was dead asleep. He didn't even know what was going on. And I looked at his call logs and it said that he had called me, he called my sister, and he called my Nana, who was his mother and was still alive at the time. But he had no, he, he didn't touch his phone and he doesn't really move around in his sleep. My friend who was with us witnessing at this point had had asked is is today some kind of anniversary and my sister and I at that point exchanged a look and said oh my gosh I can't believe we forgot 10 years prior in 2008 my uncle had who lived with us moved out for a couple weeks and then after that uh committed suicide and this was about two days after the 10-year anniversary that this happened the copycat from Andrea Brock Man-Jones. I have spent the last 24 hours um, writing down every um, detail that I can possibly remember about this particular experience. And um, it's taken a toll on me because I've suppressed it for 35 years. I don't think that this particular incident has gone beyond the time in which it happened. I don't think anybody's talked about it ever. Um, I don't think even think my kids know about this incident. This particular incident happened in 1982. I was six years old. This experience involves a phone call. And in order to fully conceptualize that, you have to understand the technology at the time or lack thereof. No cell phones, no internet, no computers. Computers were in existence, but um, mainly high-class businesses uh, used them. Cordless landline phones were in existence, but we didn't have those in our home. We had two uh, phones in the home. One was a rotary phone that was mounted to the wall in the kitchen 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the other was a touchdial phone that sat on a table um, by the sofa. It was summer 1982. My mother was at work. My brother, who is 14 years older than me, so he was like 19, uh, was babysitting me. He was outside working on his car and the front door was open, the screen door was shut, and I was sitting on the couch watching cartoons. The house phone rang and it wasn't abnormal for me to answer it and be like, hello. So when I answered the phone, I said, hello. And the voice on the other end said, hey, Andrea, let me talk to mom real quick. And I instantly recognized the voice as my brother, the one who was outside. Remember, no cell phones existed and we did not have cordless phones in the home. I just remember being so confused, but after a few seconds, I finally said, mom's not here. And the voice said, what do you mean mom's not there? Who's watching you? And I distinctly remember saying, you are. The voice laughed and it said, no, seriously, Andrea, I'm stranded. Please go get mom. I need a ride. I remember saying, hold on a second. I put the phone down on the arm of the couch and I went to the front door and there's my brother halfway under the car, just working away with his tools. Went back to the phone and I said, who is this? He goes, Andrea, stop joking around. I need to talk to mom. So I went back to the front door again and I called for my brother and I said, phone's for you. My brother came in, got on the phone and I heard him say, hello. Hello? Hello? And the line was dead. You know, they say that imitation is the finest form of flattery, but not in this case. In this case, what it was doing was mocking us. And what it, its ultimate goal was to make me and everyone in the home doubt our own senses. I can't tell you how many times over the course of the years I would hear my mom call my name or she would hear me call her name and we hadn't called each other. It would even imitate our animals. It even went as far as to um, imitate the specific sounds of our shoes that we would wear on the hardwood floors of the bedroom, like my brother wore boots. That's a very distinctive sound. He still wears boots, actually. <laughs> but it was that specific episode that my six-year-old self began referring to the presence that would haunt me until I moved out as the copycat. The Child and the Light from Very Shiny Rocks. So I live in Minneapolis in a 130-year-old former Victorian mansion. So obviously it's haunted. And there is one particular ghost that I knew right away when I walked in, and it is the ghost of a small boy. And I don't mean a spirit pretending to be a little boy, I mean an actual little boy. A couple mornings ago, the hallway light went out, and as I was trying to get into the door to my apartment, I felt this little kid rush up on me and stand right next to me, and I was like, whoa there, buddy, personal space. Like, I could literally feel him, like, breathing on, on my sweater. And later that day, I went out into the hallway to change the light bulb. And as I was going back into my apartment, I heard the tiniest little thank you. Children of the Corn from Jay Sykes and us. In 2009, my friends and I traveled from Oakland, California to Oaxaca, Mexico in an RV. A couple hours out of Ciudad Valles, we camped between a sugarcane field and a river. We met a man who was camping up the road and he was traveling north while we were traveling south. That night he came and invited us to have hot dogs and share his campfire with him and we exchanged ghost stories. 
The next morning I was bringing him breakfast and his campsite was gone. There was no sign of a fire or his car or this tiny little pup tent that he was sleeping in. Since he practically vanished, we joked and called him the ghost, and we just thought he was someone we would never see again. Three months later, I'm living in San Agustinio, Oaxaca, and underneath my window, I wake up and right on the beach is his tiny little pup tent. 1,200 miles away, three months later, and this man is camping right under my window. So I saw him in the restaurant downstairs, and I went up and talked to him because he was supposed to be in Michoacan, but here he was in Oaxaca, and it took a minute for him to remember me. But then he tells me this story. We both had to travel through the gatehouse to get to the sugarcane field next to the river. It was a very long and badly kept road. He said the night after we left after telling ghost stories, he heard laughter on the road. He thought it was my friends and I coming back to play a prank on him, so he goes out to find the noise. He sees nothing, but he shines his flashlight into the sugarcane field and he sees red eyes staring back at him. He says he knew what he had done and he ran back to his campsite and destroyed any evidence that he had been there. He packed up his tent and he put it in the trunk of his car and he drove away. He honks his horn at the gatehouse and asks the man, why didn't you tell me? And the gateman replies, because you wouldn't have stayed here if I did. Those are the ghosts of my children and they protect the sugarcane fields. Shadow figure from Et Buff Strawberry. When I was 10 years old, I fell asleep downstairs by myself and I'd been having some really weird dreams and I don't remember what they were about. I just knew that they were weird. And in my dream, I remember someone saying, we've been watching you for three months, which strangely enough was the amount of time that the dreams had been happening. So I fully woke up and my cat was sitting on my lap and I just started petting her and then I realized she was looking at something behind me and her eyes got really wide and she jumped off my lap and ran out of the room. So I thought, oh, that was weird. And then I hear something behind me. So there's this part in our house that always creaks, but not many people know about it. So I heard it step on this. This spot right here always creaks. So I turned around to look at the sound, looked up, and it was a huge black outline of a person. Bootlegger's Bar from Real Ghost Hunter 1. The story takes place in 2015. There were four of us doing a investigation in a very haunted basement in Greenville, Wisconsin. I used to do public tours, haunted tours for the public. At the time, it was called Bootlegger's Bar. This place was once a train station, a brothel, a car dealership, a funeral home, and many other things. We were sitting in the basement in a circle doing an SB11 spirit box session. We were sitting just adjacent to the room where they would cremate the bodies, AKA the crematorium. We were getting your average responses through the spirit box. Nothing too scary at first, but then two women seated directly across from me started to freak out, stood up and ran back against the wall. They both were freaking out, pointing and saying, Brandon, look behind you, look behind you. So me thinking nothing of it, I look over my left shoulder and right there over my shoulder was a floating head. This thing was disgusting. It was lifelike. It wasn't a white mist. It wasn't a watery figure. It was a freaking head. This thing looked like it was dripping 
ooze. It looked like it was dripping almost onto my shoulder. It was that close to my face. Yes, I freaked out. We all quickly went upstairs to get away from this thing. Here's where it gets really weird. When one of those two girls pulls out their phone later on to start recording, she notices a picture on her phone that she didn't take. This picture was time-stamped at 11.04 p.m., which was the time that we were down in the basement and just before all of that other stuff went down. Keep in mind, at that time, her phone was in her pocket. We were all sitting in a circle and there was no way that she took any pictures. She starts screaming, that's what I saw next to you. It was the exact figure of the head that was floating over my shoulder. Crematory footsteps from Rachel Soteric. So I work at the crematory, which means I burn bodies. It's not the best place to be, but it is a good job and I get to choose my hours and come in when I want. On this particular night, which is tonight, it just happened about 10 minutes ago. It is about 11 o'clock now. So, I was doing my job, burning bodies. You know, I'm doing work with my back to the morgue. And for those who don't know, the morgue is the freezer. And while I'm doing paperwork with my back to the freezer, I suddenly hear a sudden rush of footsteps. Now, when I tell you that it sounded like footsteps, I am in no way lying. It sounded like footsteps. It was real. It was, I could, I could hear the sound of the foot, of the feet against, like, the floor of our shop. And it was right behind me. It was coming up fast. And all of a sudden, I turned around, and there was nothing. Now, I could handle shadow people and the occasional thing moving, but I've been outside of the shop for 15 minutes. Demon in my closet from that lady. So when I was younger and I moved into a new house, there was a demon in my closet. My parents didn't believe me. My mom didn't believe me that it was there. But since the first day that I got to the new house, I was just so scared. I hated my room. And I didn't know why because it was my first time ever having my new room. You would think that I would be excited to finally have my own room and not share with my little brother. But there was just something off about the place and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Every night that I slept in my new room, I felt like someone was watching me from my closet. And sometimes they would move from the corner of the room and just watch me sleep. I swear I could see them. No matter if I would sleep with a nightlight, I could just see them staring at me. Every time I would tell my mom and dad about it, they would go in and check, but the figure was just gone. This would occur for many nights, and what would creep me out is that I would sleep with the nightlight on because I was so scared, but the nightlight in the morning would be turned off, or in the middle of the night, it would just turn off. At my new house, during a certain hour, I hated showering at night. Because every time I closed my eyes to wash off the shampoo, I swear I could feel the cold hand tapping me on my shoulders. I would get so scared that I would try to wash off the shampoo with my eyes open, even if the shampoo burned my eyes. My robes and my towels would go missing even though I know that I took them inside the bathroom. I would take pictures of the robe and the towel inside my bathroom, and both the robe and the towel would be missing along with the picture I knew that I just took. Every night I would experience sleep paralysis. This would happen so frequently that I got to a point where I wasn't even scared anymore. I just let it happen. My mental health got at ultimate low. There got to a point where I didn't want to live anymore. Whatever was living in my closet was starting to win 
because it was taken over. So one thing you gotta know about me is that I cannot sleep without music. So every night I sleep with the radio on. I have a really old radio clock that still plays cassettes. To turn off the radio, you have to push this lever and it makes this loud click sound. This night I didn't sleep with my nightlight on because I just couldn't take it anymore. I didn't want to see it. I wanted to sleep in pitch black and not be able to see it in the corner of my room. I was honestly sleeping very peacefully. I was happy, but it didn't want me to be happy. It started messing around with my radio. I ignored it. I think I only made it angrier by ignoring it and not giving it power. Because then, it started turning off my radio on and off, the music getting louder. I ran out of my bed into my parents' room and I started crying. I told them, please, help me. After I ran into my parents' room crying and told them to help me, my mom was trying to console me and my dad didn't know what to do anymore. I was hysterically crying, telling them what had happened. My dad thought maybe someone broke into the house, so he went to go check on my room. And he noticed that the radio was turning on and off, but as soon as he turned on the light, it just stopped. He checked for any intruders, but he found no one to be there. He started crying to them, and I was like, please believe me, there's something in my room. My parents said that they did believe me that there was something in my closet, but I feel like they were skeptical of the whole thing. That night, I slept with my mom and dad, like a little girl in between them. The whole night, I couldn't sleep because I swear I could hear someone laughing in my room. But no one could hear them but me because everyone was asleep. Whatever was in my room really hated me. And it really only got worse from there. Old school from Whisker Druid. So I am a fire extinguisher technician. I go to places and check the fire extinguishers. And I update tags on them so businesses stay compliant and all that fun stuff. So with that job, I get to go to a lot of different places. Uh, one place in particular, I've had the joy of checking their fire extinguishers for the last couple years. And let's see, the first time I went there, it's a it's a school, but uh, it wasn't originally a school. Well, actually, it might have been originally a school. It's been a lot of different things, but right now it's a school. Anyway, so. You have an upstairs, ground level, and then you have a basement. So, the ground level's fine. Walk through, do the inspections, nothing. Just, just a normal building. And there is a wing in the upstairs where you go up a windy staircase and you enter a room that is unfinished. No one's ever finished putting sheetrock up. It just seems really out of place. Now, the first time I went up there, I just felt mm, not a, not a good place. And the second time I went there, I went with a uh, custodian, and I was checking the fire extinguisher in there, and he was standing there making small talk while I was doing the inspection, and the door swings shut. Now I look at him, and he's just kind of looking at me like, "Are you done? Can we go? I really don't want to be here anymore." And so we leave, and the guy kind of disappears on me and goes away. Now, the place that I do not like is the basement of this place. It is very creepy. So you go down into the basement, and as soon as you go through the door to go down to the basement, the entire fill of this place is wrong. Even the look. It's not finished. It's old, really old looking, and no one really does much to clean it. So 
go down in the basement because there's a bunch of them down there and there's this really big room where there's two extinguishers that you need to check and the furthest one is kind of barely lit up because the light over it isn't fixed and that leads to where the elevator is and I don't know I just don't really like that spot I always want to get out as soon as I can so and that's like right next to the elevator that they really don't use so it's got a bunch of clutter in there so I get done with these extinguishers and then I leave the large room and then turn around and there's like a figure standing back there in the doorway where the elevator is and I was just there and the only way to get to the elevator is to walk through the room so I turned around and just carried on went to the next extinguisher and the next area is this really long walkway that has a chain link fence that kind of separates bays for I guess it was like a law firm or something at one point and the the bays were for each people or whatever business that was there to keep their stuff separate anyway there's an extinguisher like kind of halfway in and you always get this feeling like there's someone right behind you just like right up your butt like you gotta get gotta get out of here gotta get out of here and so we always kind of just hurry on through there and the other technician that I work with he's done this building and he's had the same experience um, he doesn't like dealing with these buildings so I generally get stuck doing them but the last time that I was there I was going upstairs and as you're going upstairs, there's like a little cutout in the wall that you can look down into the large room that I was talking about. And there was somebody standing in that little caged area that's in there. And I saw it out of the corner of my eye. And so I took two steps back and kind of looked to make sure that there wasn't somebody down there. And there wasn't anybody there. And so I kind of took my cue that it's time to get out. The downside about it is, is that the one extinguisher that was in the long walkway, it needed its maintenance done on it, so I had to go back. Um, so when I came back with the extinguisher, I went as fast as I could to put it back so I could get out of there. It's just not a very inviting environment down there. Rest school is fine except for that wing up in the upstairs. Beyond that, it's, it's fine. Healing Ghost from Hope Medium. I was teaching a yoga class and I had everybody lying down in meditation at the end. It was restorative yoga, so it was very dark, only candlelight, soft music playing. For the last 15 minutes of class, I would always pick one person who had consented to energy healing and spend that time giving them a mini session. So as I'm working with one particular person in class, I suddenly open my eyes and look across the room. And I see this young man walk over to this woman, again across the room. He's late 20s, he just showed up out of nowhere. And he sits down right next to her and lays his hands on her just like I'm doing with this other person. She was out, so she doesn't know what's happening. I checked in with her after class but didn't tell her anything because I didn't want to get fired. But I did later find out that she had lost her son. Thrown against the wall from the conspirator. So this story is one of my mom's stories again. Um, she has quite a lot of experiences that are like just fascinating to me. And, uh, I wouldn't want to experience these things. Um, but yeah, she, she definitely has a few stories here. So her story, um, takes place when she was a child, actually. 
she was sharing a room with her brother and um, herself. And she said that she would see like this um, spirit or like this shadow. Again, it's like another shadow person or something. And she would be so par- like uh, petrified because she would watch the shadow figure like kind of like circle around or pace around the room. And she just didn't really know, you know, what to do. She would just stay still for the most part. And uh, one night it happened again. And her brother, I guess, was moving around and he started to wake up. And um, she said that she was watching the shadow figure kind of just stand there. And I don't know, it must have disappeared or something. Because she said like the next moment, like her brother moved and he was uh he rolled basically and like you know like towards the wall of the bed I should say like he was on his bed and he rolled towards the wall but she said as he rolled it's like it looks like something lifted him up and threw him across the room and he you know landed on the room and then he woke up crying and she was screaming and crying and then everybody came in the room, she said, and they were asking, like, what's wrong? What happened? And she told them and they were like, you know, they couldn't figure it out. And to this day, she she said that she would have to still ask her mom, you know, at the time when she was alive that, you know, did it happen? And my grandma um, would always tell her, like, yeah, like, you know, her brother, my uncle was on the other side of the room. So nobody really knows how that really could have happened. But my mom claims that he was thrown across the room. So, yeah. Hawaii Encounter from Moonlit Jimsco. Okay, so first the layout of her house. Of course, everything is separated by a wall, but it's her uh, front door, her living room, and then her bedroom. You have to walk through the living room to get through the bedroom. On the back of her door... In the bedroom, she had one of those metal hanging racks that you could put like purses, belts, whatever. I specifically remember because every time you'd open or close the door, the belts would clank. So this is night two, 3 a.m. Everybody is sleeping and I hear the clanking of the belts on the door, but just so slightly, like someone was barely opening the door. I'm laying in bed and I literally like peek up like this. Y'all, I watch the door slowly open as if someone is just peeking in the room. I'm frozen, and as soon as I look, the door stops opening. Like someone was like, oh shit, she sees me. As soon as I'm like fully, fully locked in, the door slams shut. Yeah, I know. I still am frozen. I cannot say anything. I can't wake up my cousin, nothing. I hear loud as day, footsteps running through the living room. My auntie is sleeping out in the living room. It's so loud, she wakes up. I just hear, what's going on? At this point, the spirit turns the corner to the entryway. So as I said, I hear it clearly moving through the living room, and then it turns the corner to go out the front door. (sighs) So her front door had like three rows of three glass, like paned in there. I don't know if that's how you say it. But I heard it, I heard the glass like rattling, like something just shot through the front door. Then I hear movement on the bricks right outside her like entryway. Then the latch on her front gate rattles. I fully hear this thing shoot through the house and out the front gate. My auntie's awake. She's like, is that you? Are you okay? What are you doing? I'm like, that wasn't me. I'm in bed. Indian burial ground from Saucy Dad. 
My mom and I were moving into a new house, so my aunt and my cousin came to help us. After making a few trips inside, my six-year-old cousin takes a seat on a stump in the front yard. He then turns and looks at the three of us out of the blue and says this place was built on an Indian burial ground. Once he saw the looks of what the fuss set into all three of our faces, he then began to hysterically cry and ran to my aunt. Looking back, we really should have loaded our shit back up and left. For the following 12 months, my sister was thrown down the stairs. I had a very large something get in my bed with me. I had a big green head floating outside my window. The fabric non-electrical angel on our Christmas tree caught fire. We had a random message pop up on our answering machine of a mother beating her daughter with no missed calls on any of the caller IDs. Long story short, we ended up going to the local library and finding out it was built on a burial ground. First, let me elaborate a little bit on a couple of the stories. So I had a collie, a border collie. Her name was Chloe. Every night like clockwork, Chloe would jump into bed with me when I went to bed. I slept facing the wall, she'd jump in, snuggle up behind my legs. Until this one particular night. I reached back to pet her as I did every single night and there was nothing but air. Paralyzed with fear, all I could manage to do was pull my covers up over my face and silently cry. A few minutes went by and then I felt it jump off the bed and all I could do was just lay there shaking until I eventually fell asleep. But sticking to my bedroom, this was a very old house and it had glass doorknobs. The type with like the wood grain in the glass. Every single night they would start shaking in my bedroom and my closet would open. Now this house was far from even. If you opened the door during the day and let go of it, it would close shut. So yeah on the back side of my room i had three doors in my room the hallway the closet and a bedroom that was attached to the back of my room in that bedroom was a hockey table and a foosball table and off of that bedroom was this terrifying little like two foot wide staircase that went down to the kitchen why this place had a second staircase not sure However, in the room with the hockey table and the foosball table, every single night I would hear somebody sit down on an old spring mattress and then lay down and get comfortable. Again, no bed in the room. And like I told you, outside of the window that was above the driveway, I would see a big green head floating around and it would like do this motion here and it had a big thick green mist that followed it around when it moved. I got a lot of really good sleep at this place, is what I'm trying to tell you. Fast forward to my sister's story. One of them. Every day after school, it was just me and my sister. One day, I'm sitting on the front porch of the house with my girlfriend just talking. All of a sudden, we hear a scream and a... I hear my sister's voice scream my name as if I did something wrong. I turn around and I see her, the back of her head, in the doorway. I said, what's wrong? She turned around and when she locked eyes with me and saw that I was outside, just white. The most blood curdling, scared scream I've ever heard. She ran outside and said, Nick, somebody just threw me down the stairs. So my girlfriend's there, right? I gotta be the big, I'm gonna go kill whoever's in there. Scared out of my mind, I grabbed a bat and I went in the house. Obviously looked all over the place, there's nobody in there, right? So the answering message. My parents had just gotten divorced before my mom got this house and my, they had split custody. 
One day my dad's dropping us off at my mom's and she asks my dad to come in the house and listen to something. They weren't exactly best friends at the time, so I found that weird. Then she played the message. Guys, it's the scariest thing I've ever heard to this day. The deepest voiced woman just beating on her daughter with no missed calls on any caller ID. The message was like 13 minutes long. It wasn't some quick little thing you couldn't really tell what was going on. Oh no! But get this, my mom saved the little cassette tape from the answering machine. Now, my wife and I just bought a house, and when we were getting ready to move well, four months ago, I dug through everything I owned because I had told her this story and never gotten to show it to her. But I found my little tape player, so I wanted to find the damn tape. And I did. And there's nothing on it. It disappeared. The audio is gone. There is, it's a blank tape. None of the old messages from the answering machine or nothing. Blank. Gone. All of it. Part of me was kind of happy I couldn't hear it again, but the other part was like, God, nobody's going to ever believe me. Luckily, there was four of us standing there, so that's a memory we'll have forever. Luckily, I said, really? Continuing! This place had the scariest garage you've ever seen in your life. It had a gravel floor and a couple boards laid down for you to try to line your tires up with when you pulled in. In the garage, there was this, like, treehouse loft thing in the middle of the garage. Not an attic that went the distance of the garage. It was like this little boxed-out room with this rickety little treehouse ladder that went up to it. This room was padlocked when we moved in and we left it like that until right before we moved out. We'll come back to that room, but this is about my dog Chloe again. She went to the bathroom in the house and it was raining outside, so we were gonna just put her in that little hallway thing that's connected. The house is connected to the garage by this little hallway thing and that's where I put her. I put her in, close the door, turn around and walk away. I get about two steps and she just starts screaming, yelping. So I'm like, mom, I'm not leaving her out there. She's terrified of something. My mom was like, no, you gotta leave her out there. She needs to learn her lesson. So I waited about like 30 seconds, but I stood right at the door just because of the way she was like yelping. It sounded like she was being attacked or something. So I opened the door. I'm sorry, mom. I'm opening the door. I open the door and there's just blood everywhere. From her paws, cause she was trying to dig through the wooden door to get back inside. This is a collie, guys. It's not a bulldog or a pit bull or anything like that. So yeah, garage, bad news. Footsteps on the stairs from Petite Fleurneur. I am a ghost tour guide. So in the one particular building that I find to be incredibly active, I was telling a story on the second floor with my group. I had maybe about eight people with me that night. This building has two staircases to get to the upper level, and I always stand in front of one of them when I'm upstairs because it's really dangerous in the dark and we are actually not allowed to use that, um, that staircase. So I was in the middle of telling my story with my group and out of nowhere, we all hear what sounds like somebody wearing really big boots stomping up the staircase that's right behind my back. And my first thought is that this is just a person who's late for the tour coming to join us. So I actually stepped to the side to allow them to come upstairs. Now I'm looking down the staircase waiting for this person. My entire group is waiting for this person to come up and no one comes up those stairs. We ended up searching the house from top to bottom and we found nobody in the building with us. 
haunted beer from Savannah Vibus. I work retail, so an older man that comes in there all the time, he's very generous, you know, he's very quiet as well. He always says hello when he comes in. And this was around Christmas time of last year. So he was like, um, I have a bear that I would like to give to your daughter. And he was like, well, that's only if you want me to give it to her. So I asked my boss, could my daughter receive this bear from this man? We're not allowed to receive tips or anything courteous from customers. But my boss said it was okay. So before he left out the door, he turned around, he looked at me. And he told me that his grandbaby had passed away from SIDS, which is, if you don't know, sudden infant death. Which also means that a child dies without cause. So I was like, okay, didn't think anything of it. So I took the bear and I brought it home with me and you know, everything was fine, everything was cool. So then I started to notice that my daughter was also talking to the bear. But I was okay with that because I mean, kids are gonna be kids, they're gonna talk to bears. But, but then I had also brought her to her father's house and I brought the bear with me. So we noticed that she kept getting out of bed during the day and at nighttime to go into that same exact corner to talk to the bear and play with the bear i'm not gonna lie it was scary at first but like she's a kid we didn't think anything of it so last night she got up at 1 a.m in the morning and remind you i'm watching tv at the time her daddy was halfway asleep so she gets up and she puts the bear in the corner starts playing you know this clapping game with her thighs and all that so i started to record and i woke her daddy up and i was like look check this out so as I'm recording, he was like, it moved. So I was laughing. I'm like, you know, what? what? But it actually moved. Imposter dog from Robin Schiff. There's something weird going on at my house. There's something in my house. Not nice. I think it's not nice. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll have a different feeling about this. But there's been some really weird shit in the last couple of months. The house was built in 1948, okay? Um, there has been a person who died there. But I haven't had one freaking problem. I mean, when I first moved in, I did notice that my cats be laying next to me. And then they turn their head, both of them at the same time, and look into an empty corner. There's nothing in the corner. I'm looking at them. I'm looking at the corner. And I've always kind of had this um, sensitivity, I guess you could call it. So I would look into the corner. This is when I first came in and I would just say, I don't know who or what you are. You can stay here as long as you don't fuck with me or my animals in any way at all. Never had a problem. That was it. But in the last couple of months, something, it feels like something kind of moved in. And it's not nice. There's been a lot of real weird shit. I've been touched. Um, <laughs> all right, like I said, I have this um, sensitivity I haven't talked about. Um, I don't talk about it very often because I don't know what to do with it. But I have um, done things that I haven't read about, but that I just know to do to, to bind, to protect my house, to, you know, there are things that I do. So this morning I come out, this was a benign thing by the way, but it's just a, last night I had sort of like a kind of a confrontation because shit has been going on at my house. 
and I just really, I stood up in my living room and I really had it out. I told them that they had to stay out. They had to get out of my house. Fuck you. Don't come back in my house. You're not allowed to. And this morning they kind of went, I'm still here. Brought, I brought chocolate out. We're getting ready to go to the park. She loaded up into the Suburban. I went back in to do some stuff, brush my teeth. While I'm brushing my teeth, I hear her or something shake their head and their ears flapped against their head. It's a very distinctive sound that dogs make when they shake their head. Very. Anybody who has pets and dogs, they know what I'm talking about. There's no dog in the house. What the fuck? Seriously. Urban legend from Hey Ellie Jane. Do you guys remember that urban legend where the mum's downstairs and she calls up to the son and the son replies but then realises he's actually home alone? Well, that exact thing happened to me during my childhood. At the time, obviously, I was living with my parents. We were living on acreage and we left a little strip of nature right at the back of our property for animals. One day, I was home with, I assumed, my dad who was working out in the garage when all of a sudden I hear him screaming out in pain and yelling for me to come to him. I run outside and in the age of cell phones, I took my phone with me and started calling my sister. That's when I realized the sound and the yelling is coming from that little nature strip at the back of our property. Freaking out, my sister finally answers and that's when she tells me that my dad is actually with her. A ghost saved my life from its Aiden McMurray. A ghost actually saved my life. Whether or not you believe in the paranormal, just let me explain how this happened. So one night I was in a really bad mood because the relationship that I was in at the time was falling apart and that made me want to take a walk. Long walks just really relieve my stress. Where I decided to go take my walk was at this park in my town and behind the park there's a long trail of woods that leads to a field and to a river. Once I got to the parking lot of the park, there were two trucks parked side by side and they were the only other vehicles in the lot. And as I began my walk into the woods, I noticed that one of the men in the trucks was giving me a look like he hated me. I didn't know why because I had never seen this man before in my life. Once I got deeper into the woods, I noticed some footsteps coming from behind me. And then I heard the words I saw him go this way. I knew what was about to happen. Those words creeped me out so much that I couldn't move. I was scared for my life. And then I heard a loud voice come from above me that sounded like it was drowning in water. And it told me to go to the riverbank. It told me to go fast and quietly. So I continued to make my way through the woods quietly until I got to the riverbank. And that's when the voice spoke again. The voice told me to hide in the riverbank, which was like a hill that went down to the river so you couldn't be seen from above. And only after a few moments of sitting quietly, I heard the footsteps of two men coming up fast until they stopped right above the riverbank. The voice told me to stay there and be quiet. But this is when one of the men peeked over the riverbank and looked me dead in my eyes and this is when I started to doubt the voice that was coming from above me. I say that it came from above me because I literally heard it right above my head into my ear. But to my surprise, the guy actually didn't see that I was there. Even though it felt like he looked me dead in my soul. He looked to the other guy and said that he saw no one in the riverbank so they went the other direction. This is when the voice spoke to me again but louder than it had the previous times. The voice told me to get up fast and run back to the car. It seemed that the voice wasn't steering me wrong, so I ran back through the woods. Once I neared the parking lot, I heard footsteps behind me again. But this time when I turned around, there wasn't anybody. Which leads me to believe that it had to be a ghost. I got to my car and got home safe. Never saw the guys again.
Jessica's house from Jessica underscored one nine eight. So when I first got into this house, it was just myself and my three kids. So living like the single mom life, whatever. So we move into this house and it was probably the nicest, not probably, it is the nicest, was the nicest house that I had ever lived in. We moved in from a like little duplex into this 2,200 square foot home, like 1,100 square, square feet on top. And then it had a full basement that was the same size and hardwood floors. I mean, just freaking gorgeous gas fireplace, like amazing. Anyways, I was super excited to move in there and I don't know if that's why when I first walked into this place, I don't know if that's why um, I didn't notice the vibe right away because typically I'm pretty in tune. I feel things. I can sense things. I've always been like that. But anyways, I go into this house that I had found for rent on Craigslist and I met up with the landlord, walked through the house and I was like kind of awestruck and how gorgeous this house was. And I just couldn't believe that a place this nice was going to be in my price range, right? So I think that all that distracted me from um, the energy of the home. So we move into this house, and the first thing that happened was um, my son, he was sitting up at, this is like two weeks after we moved in, he was sitting up at the dinner table, um, after dinner and he was like coloring or writing in a book, something like that. And I was sitting on the couch watching TV, the couch faced into the dining room. So I'm like staring at the back of his head, like this way's him and this way's the TV. So I look over and he's like coloring and then he just stops and he looks this way towards the back door, which I couldn't see from where I was sitting, but that's the area he was looking at. So the back door also led to the basement. So, my son's sitting there, he's coloring, he stops coloring all of a sudden, I'm like looking at him, and of course he doesn't know that because he can't see me, he's, his back's to me, um, and he looks over in that direction and just like stares for like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, and then he goes, Mom, never turn around to look at me, still staring in that direction, he says, Mom, I said, what, son? And he's like, there's a little boy over there. So... At this point, uh, the kids and I had been living at the house for probably about, I don't know, three months. And, um, you know, although my son had seen a little boy uh, shortly after we moved in, and then there was an incident where the table had moved from the dining room into my living room, nothing else like super major happened. I mean, you could hear like in the middle of the night, you would hear footsteps going up and down the stairs to the basement, but yet there was nobody there. Um, and you always had that feeling of being watched. I mean, that, that energy, that feeling, it never changed. It stayed thick and heavy like the entire time we lived there. Um, Occasionally, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, she was three at the time, so we had all these toddler toys. Occasionally, like, one of those would go off in the middle of the night, even though the toy either didn't have batteries in it or it was shut off. But up until this point, nothing major had happened yet. That is until one morning. On this particular morning, I went and I dropped my older kids off at school and returned home. And once again, as soon as I pulled into the driveway, I had that feeling of, like, something's not right something's watching me. Just, ew. Anyways, I go up to the door. I open the door, and as soon as I do, I am floored. Every single picture in my living room, whether it was hanging on the wall, up on the fire mantle, or on the TV, was now on the floor. 
not only in my living room, but in every single room of the house, the bedrooms, the decorative pictures in the bathroom, the pictures in the kitchen, any picture, whether it was on a shelf or hanging up and every single room of my house was now on the floor. It looked like somebody had walked through my house and just started knocking stuff off the walls and off the shelves. I decided I was going to host Easter at my house. So Easter weekend, the day before, I spent the day like getting my home ready, mowing the lawn, cleaning, etc. Now, my landlords had left some furniture in the home and told me that I was welcome to use whatever I wanted to use. Well, downstairs in, one, in the basement in one of the storage rooms was this table. And it was really cool because this table was like a long rectangle with rounded edges. Or you could flip one side of it up and then it was a half circle. Or you could flip the other side of the table up and it was a full circle. And I thought, you know what? This table would be perfect to put the food on tomorrow. So I had my older daughter help me carry it upstairs. We get it upstairs. I decide I'm going to put one side of the table up. So I flip it up and the table is now a half circle. I put a tablecloth on it and then I push the flat side of the table up against the wall in my dining room. Now at this point, I was a waitress and I worked nights on the weekends. So my mom came and got the kids and took them to her house and said, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and let them stay the night tonight? You work late. We're all going to come over tomorrow anyways. They go with my mom. I get ready for work. Before I leave, I make sure all my windows are locked. My doors are locked. Remember, I'm the only adult in the home. I want it safe. So my house is tight. It's locked. Everything's good. Tight knit. We're good to go. I go to work about five o'clock. So 10 o'clock rolls around. I clock off, head home. As soon as I pull into my driveway, I just had the creepiest feeling. Like as soon as I pulled in, like I'm like, oh my God, I am being watched right now. Like I could feel it. Anyways, I walk up to the door. I unlock the door, open it up. And there in the middle of my living room was the table. It was now a full circle and the tablecloth was off of it. Knock, knock. From Funeral Home Confessions. One early evening, I'm getting ready to leave for the day. There was nobody in the building. I had already locked up and I was sitting at my desk closing my laptop when I heard this voice say, knock, knock. And I looked up at the doorway and there was nobody there. So I walked up to the front office and obviously nobody in the office because I had locked up and everybody was gone for the day. I walked up and down the hallway. There was nobody there. I checked every room. I looked at the security footage. There was nobody in or around the building. And I swear that voice sounded like it was five feet from me. Ellen's farewell from Megan Townsend. So my friend Alan and I dated very briefly for like two weeks. So we fell apart, that's okay, no hard feelings towards each other, and then we reconnected a couple years later, uh, the week before our local convention. We'd agreed to meet up the weekend of the convention just to catch up, see how they always doing, you know, just normal stuff. And the day before the convention, I was working at my job at Starbucks. I was ringing someone out at the till, and out of the corner of my eye, right as I finished up, I saw Alan's reflection in the pastry case. So of course I looked over and tried to see if he was there, but I didn't see him, so I didn't really think anything of it. I looked away, checked the time, it said 12.30, went about my day. So later that night, I'm working on my cosplay and I get a phone call. A friend answered my phone and then he came downstairs and said, Megan, Alan's dead. My friend tells me that Alan's dead, and then he hands me the phone, and I start talking to my friend Sarah, who tells me what happened. Alan had been at work earlier that day, and he worked in construction, and he was throwing debris off of a building and fell off. 
So without really thinking about it, I asked her, what time did this happen? And she said sometime around 12.30. Alan was always kind of that one who got away. So it was nice to find out that he'd come to visit me before he was gone. And I was really sad at the time, but knowing Alan, he'd be like, nice, I'm a ghost story now. So it's, it's fine, it's all good. Hospice nurse changes her mind from hospice nurse Julie. Okay, my one and only paranormal experience, and it's pretty bad. It affected me so profoundly that it actually changed my belief in the afterlife and not in a good way. <laughs> so I was admitting this patient onto hospice years ago. And like the second I walked into her house, like every hair on my body stood up. I felt like sick. I was like, something is not right here. It just felt really awful. And then on top of that, I hate to say this, but the patient themselves like felt not right. Like when I was with them, I felt like all types of bad feelings, which is really awful to even say. So as time went on, she didn't have any family there. So her friends were caring for her and they were a very spiritual group of people, which is great. So there was like prayer circles and angel photos and like dream catchers and crystals, things like that. And I'm not anti any of those things, just FYI. And as time went on, the friends and the patients started um, like draping the whole house in like white sheets. So like in the rafters, all around the windows, then it, then on the furniture, then on the floor. So like when you walked in the house, it was supposed to be like light and airy, but it wasn't. I feel like it was the closest to evil I had ever come. And I, and I didn't even like believe in evil at the time, but it was like the second I walked in the house, it was like, oh my God, even though the whole apartment was like draped in white cloth and covered with like crosses and angels and things that were supposed to feel warm and loving. And then it gets worse because then the patient starts actively dying eventually and it was so hard to be in that house and with that patient because the anger and the awfulness that was in the house and around the patient was like unbearable and like undeniable. Anyway, I feel embarrassed even talking about this because it sounds so much like a horror movie, but that's what it felt like. I think about that patient and that house all the time and I pray for her well-being and um she didn't die a very peaceful death, no matter what we did. And it was awful. And to this day, my belief system has changed. Like, I do believe now that there's not just love and light. There's other things. I feel even, like, embarrassed admitting that. But that's how profound this experience was. So, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Out of, like, hundreds or thousands of deaths, I only have one like that. So that's good. Bathroom ghost from Vothos Pothos. So one time my coworker and I were training a third staff on shift. They were both doing something to assist a client in uh, another room and I was cooking supper in the kitchen. Out of the corner of my eye, as I'm at the counter, I can see one of them go into the bathroom to what I assume is finish up the job they were doing. The bathroom door closed and so I walked down the hall to help the other staff. But they were both in the room. So I'm like, didn't one of you guys just go to the bathroom? How did you get back before me? And they're like, no, neither of us left. I'm like, okay, but the bathroom door literally closed. And I saw like 
a figure walk in, like out of the corner of my eye. It was unmistakable for like a walking, you know, it's fine. And the new staff goes, oh, I can feel that there's spirits here, but you have a third eye. A third what now? She's like, yeah, like you can actually see the spirits that are here, whereas people like me can just feel them. So anyway, that bathroom, there are a lot of stories there. That tune was called Are You Scared Yet? by Sasha End, featuring Admiral Bob, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's page on the podcast website at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. Now, back to the scary stories. 
living with a demon from Savage Sweetie. Now this took place just a couple days after we lost my dad to a tragedy and my three-year-old son was just kind of sitting on the couch beside me playing with his Hot Wheels cars. He didn't realize what was really going on and I noticed that he was following something with his eyes and he was kind of watching the ceiling and I would ask him what was going on and he would just like shush me and this is coming from a three-year-old. And eventually I was like, what is wrong? And he said, shh, don't talk. It'll hear you. And he then advised me that there was a demon on the ceiling, which how would a three-year-old even know what a demon was? And he just kind of is watching something in horror. And I'm just kind of brushing it off, trying to tell him, like, no, it's okay. No, there's nothing there. And he proceeds to get this calm look over his face. And he looks over to his left and he said, it's okay now, mommy. Michael's here to detect us. He's got his big knife and he's covered in a blue light. So we later just kind of figured he was referring to Michael the Archangel, which is crazy because he was a three-year-old. So at this point, my son had already identified the demon on the ceiling and he had identified what he called as Michael, which we think was referring to the Archangel Michael. So after this, he was, you know, calm because of the presence of the angels, supposedly. And he looked over to his right to towards where my fireplace was and his jaw just dropped and in amusement he just yelled out my dad's first name. Which he did not know my dad by his first name because like I said he was only three years old and he only knew him as Papaw. That's what he called him. He never knew him by his first name. And then he began to ask me why my dad was then wearing different clothes and why he was able to go through the wall. So, trying to explain this to him and kind of get it off his mind, I decided that it was a good time to go to bed and read some stories. So, but I was sadly mistaken that that was not going to happen because as we were walking to my son's room, we had to go through the den. And when we got to the den, my son literally stopped. And remember, this is a three-year-old. He stops and says, Mama, the demon said, and he started speaking in what sounded like tongues. My jaw dropped. I was absolutely mortified. I can't even stand thinking about this anymore. But I kept saying, shh, don't say that. And he's like, but the demon said, and he would speak this language. And I was like, we don't say that. The demon says bad words. We don't talk like that. And he kept trying, and he was very persistent to let me know what this demon was saying. And I eventually convinced him not to say what ever this was trying to get him to say because I didn't know what was going to happen. We went on to bed and that night was history. So the next day is when everything in the house started going crazy. I mean, we would hear things like footsteps going through the house, but never really paid any attention. Doors opening and closing, the cabinets opening and closed, the toilet seat would go up and down. There was just all kinds of noises, and my son would speak of the strangest things. He told me that the demon came from the burrows, and he would see that my dad was there, but he would always look different, he would say. Like, he asked why his papaw had big feet and big shoes, and why he was acting different, kind of like something was like manifesting as an awkward version of him if that makes any sense my mom actually had this entity like just this black solid figure no features like 
passed through her body. Now, it didn't stay, but it came up over the bed where she was laying, went through her body, and just kind of left. And she just described that feeling as feeling horrible, and she just knew that there was something wrong. And it was at this moment in time that we realized whatever was going on in the home was much more sinister than anything that we could handle on our own, and we began to seek out reinforcements. So, this is where we start to get help to get rid of whatever this was. So we began reaching out and we ended up being blessed with an amazing mentor. I can't speak much of him. Um, he, he just was amazing. It's between him and the good Lord above is the reason that we are still here today. But besides that fact, the process began with cleansing like the individuals involved instead of the actual home first so we had to do like several weeks of processing of different rituals and different prayers and different methods of praying and just you know getting close to God to prepare to remove this from our home so before that after we got this whole situation where we were cleansed, we moved forward to the home. And that's when things got crazy. So the very first day that we went to the property to try to cleanse the home, we were not allowed on the property. The mentor went in on his own. He had to confront this entity face to face on his own without us present. And he never disclosed any information, told us never to ask any questions and just you know, to stay away from the property and let him do his own thing. And we did so. We listened to him. And then the weeks that passed by with us working with him, it was just crazy. Like, everything would just fly across the room. It, it was just enraged that he was there. And he filled the place with God. And between him and God, they were able to eventually, after the third week, physically back this thing into a corner and it was finally forced to leave. Mimic's wife's voice from New Boys. So my wife wakes me up. It's 2.45 a.m. and she says, Babe, have you checked the front door? Is it locked? And I said, of course it is. We lock it every night, babe. She says, well, okay, well, I hear something downstairs. So I immediately jump up I go to the stairs and I look down, there's doors not open or anything. And she said, please just go down there and check to make sure it's locked. And I said, sure. As I get to the front door, I realize that it is locked and uh, I turn around. And she says, make sure that it's locked, babe. Like open it, close it, lock the door lock and also lock the deadbolt. So I did. But just as soon as I opened the door, it was almost as if something was trying to knock me over. And I literally watched something super dark come through my door and up my steps and kind of block the light and everything to the top of my steps. I yelled for my wife, babe, babe, babe. And I hear her say, what, what, babe? And I said, turn the lights back on. She said, the lights are on. What are you doing? I said, I'm down here checking the door like you asked me to do. I didn't ask you to do anything. So I blowed it off as a, I might have been sleepwalking or something. I didn't want to frighten her or scare her about the situation that just took place. Because 
I most definitely seen her and heard her tell me to open that door. She goes back to sleep, but I'm not very tired now, and I kind of stay awake there for a moment. And when about 45 minutes later, right in front of me, in my doorway of my bedroom, that dark figure appears again. Very big and very dark. It blocks out all light within my house. Again, it says, release me, release me. Only you can release me. What does that mean? So I said, what does that mean? How do I release you? Again, it says, you know, you know, you know. About that time, my wife rolls over in the bed and she sits straight up and looks me dead in my eyes and says, this is none of your business. Keep your nose out of it or you will pay for this. What? Yo. So I immediately jump up out of the bed. I'm freaked the F out yo what's going on she immediately wakes up and she's asking me what i'm doing she thinks i'm crazy at this moment but right about that time my bedroom door slams the tv goes out and something's got its hand around my neck and i'm struggling again and it's like it's as if it's trying to suffocate me i will figure this out i'll try to keep you updated Minmin Lights from Alchemy. So it was about six years ago, maybe even a little bit longer, and my husband and I were up visiting his mum who lived in the Atherton Tablelands up near Cairns in Queensland, Australia. We go there and take her van and decide to go for a road trip. And about two hours into the road trip, we come across this random little tiny little national park. In the middle of this national park, there was a rest stop and I really need to go to the bathroom. So I, we pulled over and I used the bathroom. Now, when we were there, there was literally thousands of butterflies. Like it was incredible. This place was dry bush scrub, like really typical Australian scrub. Wasn't any water around. And there was just thousands and thousands of weird, all sorts of different butterflies. I was like, wow, this is really beautiful, strange, but beautiful. And there was a little five minute loop walking track. So we decided, hey, we've got five minutes. We may as well stretch the legs and um, explore this little part of the scrub. As soon as I step onto the walking track, this feeling of death, fear, bad, something imminent is going to happen came over me. And I've never had this feeling before in my life. I literally stood there and was like, something's very wrong. There's something weird about this place. I do not feel safe right now. And my husband was like, yeah, it's pretty weird. Like that it's in the middle of nowhere. He's like, do you want to do this track? And I was like, okay, okay, like, let's do it. Let's just push through this. What could, what could go wrong? We're like those idiots on a scary movie that just push through and get murdered, you know? Now, I have done a lot of bushwalking and a lot of hiking and I've done a lot of it. And when I say when I got halfway through this five minute walking track and could no longer move by myself, it that's what happened. I could not move. I was so overcome with fear that I could not move. So I'm standing there like 
I, I can't move, I can't go any further, there's something really wrong, I'm really scared right now. So my husband says, like, we're halfway through, we either go back the way we came from or we continue. I can see the end of the track. I'm like, okay, and I grab onto the back of his shirt, close my eyes and get him to lead me out of there because I'm so scared. So my husband leads me out of the track and I basically race back to the car and hop in and just go, like, what the hell? I have never had an experience like it in my life where I've just been so overcome by fear and where my whole body was reacting. And I've been in some pretty shady situations, I can tell you that now. Now, where we are, it's not a, there's nothing around. We're in the middle of nowhere. We start driving and as soon as we get on the other side of the national park, something starts going wrong in the car. Uh, we pull over, check it out and like, something's just not right, let's go back. So we go back and we go back to his mother's house and we check over the car and thankfully nothing was wrong which was weird also kind of weird you know anyway obviously his mum and her partner were like what happened like why are you back here <laughs> and so i start explaining the story to her partner and he was like come on tell me this story like really really interested so I tell him the story, go through it all, and he goes, that's very interesting that you had that experience there. I'm like, why? <laughs> and he said, well, a lot of people have gone missing there. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? So apparently, this place is renowned for cars breaking down people going down those that walking track and not coming back and just disappearances not many people go out there but it's a very common thing to happen he said that my reaction was probably something that may have saved my life and no one really knows why and he's actually rescued someone from out there before he goes on to say that apparently it is a place where Min-Min lights are seen a lot. So this is if you Google Min-Min lights, but his description of it was a little bit different and was kind of specific to the area up there. Basically the Min-Min lights are known to lure people off the beaten track and make them get lost, lead them to their death or make them go missing. Um, everyone knows not to follow Min Min lights. They are very dangerous up there. So yeah, that's my weird, unexplainable kind of experience. And I'm just glad my gut and instinct and everything told me to stop and get the hell out of there. The viewing from Funeral Home Confessions. As a mortician, do I believe in ghosts? Absolutely, I sure do. And here is a story that I have no explanation for. I was actually getting a person ready for a viewing. And as I wheeled them in the chapel, the casket was open. And I was doing some final preparations of like getting the suit jacket just nice and tight. And I always place right hand over the left at the the family came in, they did, a, they did a final viewing, they had the visitation. At the end of the visitation, after everybody left, I was getting ready to close the casket 
and the left hand was over the right. So I changed it, put the right hand back over the left, closed the casket lid, locked it, went home. Uh, the next day I came back, I was the first one in the funeral home, unlocked the casket, opened it up, left hand was over the right. Could have been somebody playing a joke on me. I think it was a ghost. Sleep paralysis or visitation from Nurse Megrin. Okay, so this one night shift, me and my friend are sitting at the nurse's station. We're just catching up on charting and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, in the corner room, the patient starts screaming at the top of his lungs. We look at the monitor and he's like super tacky. He's like the 130s. So we get up, we run to the room. I got there first and I opened the door. And as soon as I opened the door, a huge like rush of like wind comes it was so creepy it gave me goosebumps i just got goosebumps now a cr super creepy feeling and the patient goes oh my gosh i couldn't move i felt like something was evil was in the room and i couldn't even like talk or move and until you came and opened the door and i feel like he's gone now <sighs> i still think about that night the old folks and the wee child from SSB06. I went to this patient's home and it was an elderly couple and they lived in a really old home. Um, and I visited with them and when I was leaving, I was walking out and it sounded like footsteps behind me. And I turn around and there is this small child at the end of the hallway looking like kind of in the door, the doorway. And I asked the patient's husband, is your grandkids visiting? Because I didn't hear them while I was there. And he told me no. And I said, well, there's a little boy in your room back here. And he said, oh, you saw him. And I said, yeah, I saw him. And him and his wife, so him and his wife, have lived in this house for about 43 years, I think is what he said. And he said for a long time, they would hear really weird noises around the house, but it wasn't until his wife started getting sick that he started seeing this little boy out of the corner of his eye. And so this kid, he looked to be about eight or nine. He had jet black hair. Um, and he had a white long sleeve shirt on and darker colored pants. And y'all, I typed in child death on Google and put the county. And I found the picture of this little boy that I saw in this house. That was terrifying and sad at the same time. I love my nurse's stories. The Haunted Bunk from Izzy Goes It. When I was 16, my older sister and cousin used to go out partying all the time. And since my underage ass couldn't go, I'd stay up late waiting for them to come back because I wanted to hear the juice, you know? On one of those nights, they were taking a really long time to come back, so I decided to go to bed. At that time, we shared a bedroom and a bunk bed, which had a queen at the bottom and a twin at the top. This is relevant to the story because I go lie down and I don't realize when I fall asleep. I wake up because I hear the top bed creaking i'm a little confused because there's nobody sleeping next to me the other one is here but that wasn't too unusual because both of them had boyfriends at the time as well and sometimes you know they'd be having their little slinky links so it would just be the two of us in the bedroom and whoever's boo didn't pick them up would just sleep on the top so that we didn't have to share so one of them is up there i ask who it is nothing i ask again 
silence. I'm getting nervous. So I'm about to get out of bed when I hear my sister's voice. Relief, sweet, sweet relief. So we start talking about how the night went and why they were back so late. She tells me that they were having car troubles. And as we're talking, for some reason, something feels wrong. I don't know what it is, but I ask her, hey, can you dangle your hand a little bit? Just for a second. Don't ask me why I asked. And she asked me why. Why do you want to see my hand? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel kind of funny. You know, we're in the dark and we've been talking. I haven't seen you since you've been back. So could you just let your hand angle so I can see that it's you that I'm talking to? Immediate silence. No more responses. No more creaks in the bed. And now I'm fully scared shitless. At this point, I've been talking to somebody for about 25 minutes. At this point, I'm not asking anymore. So I jump out of bed and I look at the top bunk. There's nobody there. And I freak out. I make a run for the lights. Then I get slammed back into the bed by something. I'm pinned on the bed. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to shake it off. I can't. I can't scream. I am stuck, paralyzed, frozen on the bed. The room is spinning. There's a thunderstorm going on. It's so loud. I can't take it. I start choking. And in that moment, I'm only sure about two things. I'm not alone. And they are not okay. They're screaming in my mind. I have to protect them. I have to protect them. And all of a sudden, I'm let go. And I run for that light. I ran like my life depended on it, man. I turned it on. And everything is where it's supposed to be. And I check my cell phone. No text messages, no calls. And I look at the time. And it's 2.45. I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. I'm calling them. They're not picking up. And I am terrified because i don't know what happened but i know something happened 35 minutes later they show up at the door and i am crying with relief and it turns out that when they left the club that night they got lost because this was the time of MapQuest. okay there was no gps back then they were lost for a good hour and it turns out that during that whole time there was a car that followed them from the club. When my sister stops the car to figure out where they are, they pull up right next to her and she's desperate. So she gets out of the car and that's when one of them runs towards her, grabs her with his out. They're fighting until all of a sudden he lets her go. So she runs for the car and speeds off. She looks at the time and it was 2.45. Paw Patrol Blanket from Shogun underscore Stick XG. There actually is a petty poltergeist that live up in here. A couple years ago, I wrapped my son up in his favorite Paw Patrol blanket, laid him down in the bed, came out here to the dojo to do my thing. Ten minutes later, I go upstairs, he out the bed. So I wrap him back up in his Paw Patrol blanket, lay him back down in the bed. I come back down here, but only about 30 seconds this time because I heard a thump. And then I go upstairs to check, his door is open. But he's not out the bed. He's just sitting on the bed smiling, talking about a ghost. <laughs> My son, I know your vocabulary is developing, but it sounds like you said ghost. A ghost. And that's all I needed to hear, my boy. Grab your Paw Patrol blanket. You can come lay down with daddy. Where's your Paw Patrol blanket? I tore this motherfucker asunder looking for this blanket. Nowhere to be found. So I said, fuck it. Let's just go to sleep. And we woke up wrapped up in the Paw Patrol blanket. Protective house from All Grace 656. The house that I grew up in was the house that my mom also grew up in. And when she was 17, she brought her boyfriend over when no one else was home. And when he entered the house, the pipes in the floor started banging underneath his feet. And it followed him throughout the when he moved throughout the house. And she finally brought him up to her bedroom. 
and the house lost its mind. The doors slammed shut, cabinets flew open, pipes were banging, floor was creaking, the dude freaked out and left and broke up with her over it. And she never saw him again until like 10 years later when she saw his face in a newspaper. He was arrested and charged for murdering his girlfriend. The dinner party from New Boys. It's summer 1945. My grandmother and my grandfather decide to go to a dinner party with my great grandmother and my great grandfather. Um, once they get to the house, everyone sits around the table. And at this time, my grandmother and my grandfather always said grace before dinner. So everyone bows their head to say grace before dinner. It's something that was a tradition in our family. And in these days, it was a tradition in most families. However, I don't think they realized what was going to happen next. As their heads are bowed saying grace for their dinner, as they were done, they raised their heads up and they realized that everything on the table, the food, the plates, the forks, the bowls, everything gone from the table. And not just gone, gone without a trace. So my grandfather decides he's going to go looking around to see what he finds. And that's when everything turns. So now that my grandpa's up looking for this food and everything that just disappeared off the table, so is my other grandparents. And the friend's house that they were at, they too were looking for the stuff that just came up missing from the table. When a few moments later, they hear a great big scream in the backyard. My grandparents are looking for my grandfather where they find him tied to a tree in the backyard. When they approached my grandfather, they realized that he had fingers missing. Someone had tied him to a tree and cut off four of his fingers, two on both hands. My grandfather had no recollection of anything happening. He didn't even know what happened or how it happened. He just knows that he's tied to a tree and he's missing some fingers. They cut my grandfather loose and they rush him to a nearby hospital. Uh, unfortunately, they was not able to save his fingers. But that's not the end of it, folks. Two weeks after my grandfather lost his fingers, the house that they were at, the family committed a murder-suicide. And about two years after that, my grandmother and grandfather decided to buy the house. Now, the reason they wanted to buy the home was because the home was huge. It was Victorian, and it was basically one of the largest houses in the neighborhood. Family had already been at that house and cleaned everything out that they wanted. Only thing they did not take was an old bookshelf that sat in the dining room. As my grandmother goes through some of these books, she notices one of them that's made out of pure pig skin. Now, it had been shaved and tanned, so it wasn't your basic just old pig, right? It was kind of leather, but it was old, old, old. When my grandmother opened this book up, she realized it wasn't just any ordinary book. No, hmm. no, not at all. Not only was this no ordinary book, the writing in this book was very weird, very descriptive. And my grandmother, great-grandmother, knew that there was something up with this book and it had some dark, dark history to it. My great-grandmother had had this book for about a week when my grandmother came over to pick it up and my great-grandmother told her then, do not take this book, there's something dark about this book. But my grandmother was practicing witch at the time and she thought she understood the book, so she took it home. Within a week of having this book, they started hearing voices in another room. 
These people were talking to each other, and they sounded angry, but you couldn't understand them. Their voices were really garbled. Not one word could they understand, but it happened every single night. Until a week later when my grandfather brought home an old gravestone marker that he found in a basement at a house that he was working on as an electrician. Now little did my grandparents know how much this grave marker would change things, uh, especially with the book in the house too. Now the voices, they kept up, except for this time, my grandmother can actually understand what they're saying. My grandfather could not. My grandmother said that these voices she was hearing in the other room were plotting against the family, uh, that they planned on destroying my grandmother and grandfather's relationship and trying to cause something bad to happen. After a week had went by, my grandfather came home after work <clears throat> and found a pair of shoes and a shirt laying by the front door. And immediately he accused my grandmother of having someone in the house. My grandmother explained to him that it wasn't true and tried to explain to him what she had heard from the voices in the other room, but my grandfather wasn't buying it. Now at this point, things started getting really tense around the house between my grandmother and grandfather. So tense, in fact, that my grandfather was convinced that my grandmother was cheating on him. In fact, it got so bad that my grandmother ordered that the grave marker be returned and that she do something with the book. When my grandfather returned the grave mar marker back to the basement where he had found it, he ran into the owners of the house. The owners explained to them that that grave marker was supposed to go on the father's grave, um, but no one had ever visited the grave because of the heinous act that the father performed. See, just a couple years before that, the husband had murdered the wife because he caught her cheating with the neighbor down the street. And the shirt and shoes that my grandfather had described that he had found that had just mysteriously come up missing again. Actually, they belonged to the man who was murdered. But once the grave marker was returned and the book was gotten rid of, things turned to normal. Maybe. The Little Girl in the Pink Dress from Her Gems. So the story is actually not my story, it's my boyfriend's story, but it's one of the craziest paranormal experiences that I've ever heard in my entire life, and especially if you're into psychology, please listen. So basically my boyfriend is at his friend's house. His friend has an older sister whose boyfriend is also over. They are just, the two of them are just hanging out in the room, whatever, and um, the door is open, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees like a little girl run by, and she's wearing a pink hat and a pink dress, and she's blonde, and he just casually mentions it to his friend he's like hey um is this somebody's daughter did someone's daughter just get home like i just saw a little girl in wearing a pink dress run by and she was like wait what hold on a second so she goes and converses with her his family the family and like they invite my boyfriend in and they're like hey we want to explain what just happened so basically the older siblings uh boyfriend was schizophrenic and that was one of his visual hallucinations my boyfriend saw his visual hallucination which just opens up my brain and says is schizophrenia maybe not a hallucination a kiss goodnight from the boneyard 21 all right so when i was a kid maybe seven years old i was laying in bed about to fall asleep and something kissed me on the cheek i sat straight up and freaked out now i think it was probably a dead relative or something but sucker or demon dog from djb567 uh, my mom had a dog named suka siberian husky and woke up out of a dead sleep one night 
and Suka was standing in my doorway staring at me. And I called her to me, and she started walking towards me very slow, and it scared me. So I stood up on my bed up against the wall, and I called her name again. And she looked at me and said, if you scream, I will kill you. So, of course, I screamed. And as the thing's lunging on my bed, my dad runs in, flips on the light, and this thing disappears. And a few seconds later, right behind him walks in Suka and sits down. The Andrew Lowe House from Art. The Andrew Lowe House. Okay, so this is one of the most haunted houses in Savannah. If I had to estimate, there's probably over a hundred entities that reside within the house. And that is not only from people who passed away, there's actually less people who passed away in the house than there has been those who uh, have passed away on the land because it's been a lot of different properties over the years. Because if you're familiar with Savannah, it kind of does fluctuate throughout the years. We love to tear things down and rebuild them, especially back in the 1800s. As I was saying, there's a lot of uh, spirits that are attached to the land there, and none of them are really mean spirits. They've honestly just kind of uh, used their afterlife and their time kind of stuck in this realm to play pranks on us, which is fine, and that's okay. But there's one uh, entity in particular that has really struck a bad chord with me inside the Andrew Lowe house. Uh, now, we do not know his name. And the issue is, is that he presents himself in both the forms of a little boy and a little girl, which is not normal. So if you study demonology, you would know that typically demons are the ones that do present themselves in the forms of children as a way to get you to trust them. And if you don't know where these children came from, it's more than likely a demon. Ghosts can be wanderers and they can be homeless sometimes, but with children particularly, they typically stick to where they passed away or where they're comfortable. So it's not normal to have two children that you don't know where they came from. And we definitely uh, think that it is the same entity that is presenting itself as both these children. And if that is a soul, like an actual ghost, it can't just choose to transform into something else. It doesn't work that way. So red flag number one. Now let me insert one of the photos for you guys. We've actually caught the little girl. No, we have not caught the little boy, but let me just show you guys this. It's horrifying. This was taken at one of my tours in July and look right here. That is the little girl. So that is the little girl. Um, so if you read anything on demonology, you would know that um, demons present themselves in a way that is not normal. Um, they sometimes seem a little bit off. Like the little girl right here. She looks like she's decaying, which is not normal. And a lot of times too, we will see her without a head, which again, is not normal because she cannot fully manifest a form. Exhibit B, she does not have a head. Now, this was taken right before the one I just showed you. Um, 
So that just when I saw this photo just gave me such unease about being in the house because I had had my suspicions um, and whatnot. But when I saw this, it just confirmed everything that I was feeling. And it's only gotten worse since then. So ever since that photo was taken, uh, we've had some really odd experiences because the demon has always laid low. Um, and all my coworkers have always thought that I was crazy when I said that I'm pretty sure there's a demon that's residing in here because I can feel it immediately. Like I can feel the bad vibes all the way down the road. Like it's that intense. Um, but she never did anything. And I'm going to use different pronouns for this entity because it's an entity. It doesn't have pronouns. But anyways, so um, things got really off after this because every time I'd walk into the house, I would smell rotting flesh. And I thought it was crazy because I was the only one who was smelling it. And everybody, all my coworkers were like, well, a dead animal probably got in. Maybe it's in the wall or something. It's not, y'all. Like, it's too much of a coincidence. Okay, I'm like getting anxiety just talking about this spirit. Um, but like I said, we've had the smell of rotting flesh. It's like an instant indicator of a demon's presence in the house besides like the smell of sulfur and things like that. Um, but we've also had an incident, uh, well, I have an incident where I was working in the house uh, because my tour in particular were the only ones that go into the Andrew Love house. Um, and so I was working in the house that night and I walked around, I was doing my rounds to close it up. When I saw the little girl dart across the hallway. Now, I've seen the little boy do this before, but I've never seen the little girl do it. So I followed because I was interested in kind of what was going on with her. And I didn't know she was maybe like trying to get my attention, but she was. Um, and so, so about all I can do now, because um, exorcisms of houses are not uh, a common occurrence, uh, especially in the South, uh, was such a uh, religious city. Um, all I can really do is protect myself. I wear this every single time that I go into the house. I, um, cast a uh, circle of light around myself. I will bring salt with me. And literally anything I can do uh, is about as much as it's going to work with this. And it's only going to get worse. Phantom of the Work from Little Landy. Now, I work in this really creepy, really old building. And my coworkers and even my boss have told me that the building is haunted. So supposedly some guy died in the basement. And guess what area I worked? The basement. So I show up to work this one day, it's 5 a.m. Now because this building is really old, all the light switches are really weird. So in this one part, I had to walk all the way down this really dark hallway just to get to the light switch to flip it on. So I'm walking through it, trying not to freak out, you know? And then coming out of one of the rooms, alarmingly loud, I heard this. When I tell you, I turned and ran for my life. So I go find my boss and I'm like, hey, I think somebody's practicing downstairs in one of the organ rooms um, and it scared the crap out of me. And this man looks at me and he says, Elise, nobody's in the building until 7 a.m. It's literally just us. And you wanna know the real kicker? The guy that died in the basement? Yeah, he was a piano technician. Wisteria Entity 
from Caleb Tutt. So this happened yesterday. I'm currently on a road trip from Rhode Island back to Louisiana with my mom, sister, and dog. Everyone needs to take a little bit of a bathroom break, so we decided to take a stop at the rest area in Albemarle County, Virginia. So because someone has to sit with our dog, we take turns. I go in first to the men's restroom, obviously, and then my mom goes in next. The women's bathroom has two separate bathrooms, one across from the other. Me and my sister are waiting in the car when all of a sudden my mom slams the car door open. My sister asked her how she got out of the bathroom so quickly. And she explained that she felt like there was something in the bathroom with her. The thing is, is there was no one else in there with her. So my mom explains that she ended up going into the first stall and the toilet in the last stall flushed. And a few seconds later, the bathroom sink turned on as if someone had walked out of the stall and washed their hands. Except once again, there was no one else in the bathroom with her. And that was whenever she decided to just completely run out of the bathroom. Then my sister goes into the bathroom. But at this point in time, we were unaware that there were two separate bathrooms for the women's bathroom. One door across from the other. My sister goes into the one in the left first, experiences nothing, then decides to step out and go into the one on the right. She describes it as having walked into a person or an energy that was hot and humid as if stepping into a sauna and that had the door closed behind her, something bad would have happened to her. So because my mom is very intuitive, I asked her for a potential description of what she believed was in the bathroom with her. She described this person as around the age of 54, maybe 5'11 in height, being darker skinned, and having a heavier frame. Not necessarily fat, but just thick. So my sister and I did a bit of research of crimes in the Albemarle County area. And our research led us to the name Nathan Antonio Washington, a man who lived in this area and had several criminal charges in the Albemarle County area. He was actually a convicted serial rapist. So why do we believe that the presence that was in the bathroom could possibly be this man? His crimes were directly related to threats of violence and sexual assault against women. His crimes were so bad that he was given four life sentences. Because he was already given four life sentences, they allowed him to admit to other crimes without adding more time to his conviction, including breaking and entering and attempted rape in Albemarle County. More interestingly, his description is a 54-year-old black male, 5'11 inches in height, which fits the description my mother gave to the T. While he may not have died there, the trauma he inflicted likely left an imprint that unfortunately seems to leave women feeling vulnerable Succubus and scared from It actually happened the other night, and it is what I believe was a possible demonic possession or like attempted one. There was a Jacksepticeye video playing, I was falling asleep, okay? Everything felt normal, you know, typical 3am, until I felt a hug. Like someone was cuddling me. And I open my eyes a little bit and I realise I'm having sleep paralysis. And it is a boy. This boy starts touching me in places. And I could feel everything, if you know what I mean. I ask him, are you real? And he says, of course I am. Of course I'm real. And then as I say that, my legs start to be lifted up and pulled off the bed. This boy is holding me back, screaming, I'm screaming, and I wake up on the floor. Gary Intruder from Witch in the Wilderness.
So we had just moved into the village that I'm in um, and we had rented a really old cottage. So straight away, loved it, really felt at home in there. Um, but you knew something was a bit there. You'd hear voices every now and again. Well, I would, my husband wouldn't. Anyway, my husband at the time was a DJ. My boyfriend, my husband, who is was my boyfriend. I didn't have not have numerous husbands. Um, he was a DJ at the time, so he was work. He was working out late, um, and I was at home alone with the dog. And I'd start to switch everything off to go back upstairs to go to bed. Now our stairs were like a glorified ladder. You could see straight through them. And as I'm coming round the corner, I'd switched off the lamp in the living room. And as I spun round, I look through and I lock eyes with a guy looking at me. Now, my I've never had my body froze in fear. I froze. I openly admitted I was terrified. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm thinking someone's fucking broken in. Um, and it's a guy, like early 60s, he's wearing an oatmeal jumper. And he just slowly disappeared. The Not Kit from the Ouija Witch. I had a weird thing happen at my boyfriend's house. Um, so you know there's like that cryptid or thing that's called not a deer and it like looks like a deer but the more you look at it, it it's definitely not. So I didn't run into one of those but I'm gonna call this thing not a cat because it looked like a cat at first glance but it was definitely not a cat. So me and my boyfriend get home from um, having dinner and drinks at our, our favorite local place. It was probably around, I don't know, nine-ish o'clock. And we pull in and we have outdoor cats that we feed and take care of. And sometimes other stray cats come to eat food, you know, whatever. But I look over like at the edge of where kind of like the woods start or brush kind of. And there's this really big cat sitting there. Now, I don't mean mountain lion size or, or puma cougar, whatever you want to call it. And honestly, probably not even bobcat size. And I know what bobcats look like. Um, but it was like a really large cat, like a Maine Coon. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. I love Maine Coons. I love big cats, um, big house cats. But then the more I looked at it, its face was weird. And it was like... The porch light, you could see it, but you couldn't, like, fully see it because it was just kind of, like, outside of the light. And I'm like, holy shit, look at that cat. And, like, all of a sudden, it's like my brain, you know, that, that meme of the lady, like, calculating things? That's what I felt like. And all of a sudden, something, like, weird clicked in my brain. Like, I figured out what was so weird about this cat. Its face looked oddly human. Now, I don't mean, like, um, what we do in the shadows when Vlad, like, puts... He, he turns into a cat, but his face is still human. Um, or, like, the corn, like, word-up um, videos with the dogs with the, the full human faces. It just looked very human. And as soon as I kind of put two and two together, and I had been looking at it for a couple minutes, and it did not move at all. Like, not a tail flick. It was, like, stone-cold, like, completely still, like, statuesque still. I instantly got this, like, some primal fear of, like, we need to go inside right now. Like, we're not supposed to be out here. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It gave me cold chills. So, the cat doesn't move while we're out there. I go inside and, like, leave the... I, I'm, i like... I have the main door open, but I'm, like, looking through the screen door. And, of course, my boyfriend's like, oh, I'm gonna go see if I can, like, pet it. And I'm like, leave it, leave it alone. Like, don't mess with it. It's weird. I'm like, I don't know. It's strange. I don't know if it's a demon cat, a skinny boy. Wendy. I don't know what it is. It, I've never had a feeling like that around an animal before, especially a cat. I love cats. 
So then it, like, finally walks across the yard, but it, like, completely walks around the, like, circle of the porch light. And if it was a stray cat, I get it. I'm not saying that. It was just odd that it purposely did that. You know what I mean? So another thing I wanted to mention, when it was, when we first got home and it was initially sitting there, it just, like, looked straight. Like, it wasn't, like, looking around. It literally just, like, looked straight like I'm looking at you now and did not flinch or move. I couldn't even tell that it was breathing or not. So it walks across the yard and, like, stays out of the, the porch light. And the porch light is a, a motion light. So, you know, I'm I'm inside now. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm like, it just, it creeps me out. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of it. It's like a demon hellcat. I don't know what it is. So he gets a flashlight and he's, like, walking up to it and he's, like... <clears throat> yelling back at me or like talking loudly so I can hear him and he's like it's not running away from me though he's like but it looks odd like it's weird he's like it's I don't know and he's got a flashlight and he's like trying to shine the light on the cat to see what the cat looks like and it doesn't run but it just steady stays out of this flashlight okay that's it so it just kind of sets out in the dark and finally I'm like please leave it alone like can we just come inside and like I don't know I'm like I just get a really bad feeling about it like quit fucking with it like leave it alone so then we leave the screen door open because we want to make sure that if it is just a giant stray cat which who knows I'm not saying it was anything weird it was just strange experience but we didn't want it to attack the other cats all of a sudden the mama cat which is my cat's mother starts rolling around like barrel rolling on the like cat crate house we've made just like over and over and over. And I was like worried she was having a seizure or something, but she wasn't. It's the only time she's ever done that. And I'm familiar with like, if a cat is in heat or whatever, this was not like a normal, I don't know what she was doing. It was weird. And then we heard like this giant thing moving through the woods. So after the noises, that was pretty much it. We haven't saw the cat since. And when the noises kind of happened, that's kind of when the cat just, we, we didn't see it anymore. And the thing is, I'm not one to automatically jump to ghosts. I've had a lot of weird things happen to me. Sometimes it is, in my opinion, paranormal. And sometimes it's just something weird that happens. I'm not always, oh, it was a bump. It was automatically a ghost. I'm not that kind of person. Um, I'm objective, okay? But the thing that bothers me is how much this cat or whatever it was scared me. Like, deep fear. Again, cold chills. I know you can't see them, but instant cold chills, when I really think about it, it scared me. And I grew up on an 80 acre farm. I'm used to being in complete darkness. I'm used to encountering animals in the dark and all that weird noises from animals. That's totally normal. My thing is, what the fuck was this thing? The Peacemaker from Doc Tosh. We used to live in a historic district in Toledo, Ohio, called the Old West End. They had all these Victorian-era homes. The ghosts used to like to mess with the stove. So if you turn the dial so far, without pushing it in to make the fire come on, it would just click incessantly. If we ever got into like a house argument, it would just keep clicking no matter what we did to the dial until we stopped and lowered our voices, and then it would stop on its own. 
It used to mess with me and our cousin, wake us up at 2, 3 a.m., but never both of us at the same time, one or the other. We wait outside each other's doors, not wanting to wake the other and just have to go down alone. The very last night, it wakes me up. I go down, shut it off. I go back up the stairs. I start walking. It starts clicking. I stop on the stairs. It stops. I move again. It starts again. I stop. It stops. It was fucking with me because we were leaving. Lizard transformation from Oracle underscored triple one story about the time that i saw a lizard person now i didn't even believe in lizard people i don't even know if i still believe in lizard people but pretty sure i know what i saw um this was uh maybe five or six years ago i was uh working in a thrift store and i was working alone And this was in the middle of the day. I was not high, I was not drunk, I was wide awake, I was not astral projecting. I was just working at the thrift store. I was the only one there. And uh, a woman comes in who wanted to, and I could immediately tell that she was high on something, like she was messed up. And she was interested in buying this necklace but she didn't have enough money for it and she was trying to talk me down and it was really annoying and, I just wanted her to buy the necklace and and get out of the store because there were other customers in the store who left once she came in because she was clearly on drugs or something. And uh, so I sold her the necklace and she asked me to put it on her. And I was like, okay. And normally when you put a necklace on someone, they flip around. So you can kind of like do it from behind and clasp it. Um, But she just stood like facing me. So I very like awkwardly like reached forward to clasp this necklace on this woman And as I leaned into her, literally, like I got very close to her and it was literally like the second I got too close, it was like my eyes like pushed through some barrier and instantly what I was seeing was definitely not human. This thing was, had red scales. It was, and it wasn't making any sounds, but I felt like I heard something. Like I felt like it was breathing really heavily and I got the impression that maybe it was sickly. Um, and I was so panicked. I don't know how I did this, but I just clasped the necklace and then slowly pulled back. And it was like, as soon as I got about 10 inches away from this person, it was like the filter snapped back in place and she was human again. And I could see the look on her face. Like she realized she had just made a mistake and she was like, okay, thanks. Bye. And like bolted out the door. And the second she left, I was so fucking shaken. I uh locked the door and ran under the counter and i was just like shaking and hyperventilating underneath the counter uh for a while because i didn't know what i had seen i didn't know how to process it i didn't know what it what had happened so yeah that that's my story lady in red from at moonlight gems co for anybody that doesn't know hawaii is haunted as fuck and there's also an asian elven race called the menahune that come out at night Yeah, you're going to want to Google that. So my best friend had never been to Hawaii. So in 2004, we went and we stayed at a super nice hotel, the Hilton, which was right on the beach. We're sitting on the beach one night and we're just chilling like underneath the stars. This woman comes out of nowhere. Like, looks like she comes out of the water. She's wearing a gorgeous red dress. Like, I'm like, what are you doing in the beach in that dress? She asks us where Ikaika's at. We say, we don't know who Ikaika is. Sorry. And then she leaves. But I got a really weird feeling. 
So I looked to my left and she was gone. Within three seconds, there's no way that she could have gone out of my, out of my line of sight. Next night, we're talking to the bartender. He tells us about the ghost of the Hilton, who wears a red dress and is either believed to have been murdered or is Pele. Once a year, on a dark night, we return. We will not sleep. We will not die. This is Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Do try not to die. I want to thank all the people who kindly allowed me to share their experiences from TikTok. If you want to hear more from them, there are links to every person's TikTok accounts on this episode's page of the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. The past couple of years, I've had two nights of Halloween episodes. This year, I still am, but this one is for all of you, my listeners, and the other is for my wonderful patrons as a thank you for their continued financial support of our podcast. So, if you enjoyed this episode, consider becoming a patron. Now's a great time to join. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get to hear the second episode, plus you get early access to the regular podcast episodes and a special members-only page on the podcast website that has bits that end up on the digital cutting board and little extras like the full, raw, what's and all, unedited video conversations with guests. And I have to tell you, I don't like showing my face. EVPs caught during the conversations and so much more. Also, you can download full written transcripts of each episode and you get my absolute appreciation and gratitude. Patreon.com forward slash MCC15 for just the cost of a cup of coffee a month. This episode's bumper music is simply called Are You Scared Yet? by Sasha N. featuring Admiral Bob. Licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's page on the podcast website at www.walkingintheshadowlands.com. If you enjoy our podcast so you don't miss out on an episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Pandora as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words. Open Walk in the Shadowlands and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. Check out our Facebook page under Walk in the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands 10 TikTok under Walk in the Shadowlands. Like and follow for teasers of our upcoming episodes. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier.
Thanks for listening to this episode. Kakite ano oya koi. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening. 